Okay, what I was saying is you, there's an old saying that says you teach the best what you need to learn the most. And on becoming a risk taker, having the courage to change, which is our topic this morning, is certainly an area in my life that I have been, um, been walking a road and learning a lot. So we are going to be looking at Rahab, which is located in the book of Joshua. That's our text for this morning. I'm going to give you a little background on that. Then we're going to talk about the story of Rahab. And then I'm hoping that I'll make some connections for you on woo, on um, why it matters to us. Why do we care? What does Rahab have to say to us? And my hunch is, is that every single one of us, um, there's chairs over here, back there. I absolutely love being with just ladies, I have to say. <laughs> this is a lot easier being with girlfriends than it would be being with, yeah. <laughs> exactly, exactly. All right, I am going to take a minute to um, open with prayer, if we could do that. <sighs> Heavenly Father, thank you that you have given us each other. Thank you that we are sisters together in your family. Thank you that Rahab would have been a sister to us had we lived in her time, and thank you that her story now is one that you will use to speak to us. Father, each woman in this room is either now hearing your call or will be hearing your call, and I pray that you use these words to bring to her mind and help her identify and help her have the courage to step out on your call. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. I think I am recording. All right. As I said, we're talking about Joshua. And for those of you who might not know, the first five books of the Old Testament, and actually there are handouts, and I don't know where they are. Does anybody see them? Gil was going to bring them. Well, they'll show up later. Um, for this week and then next week's Easter, and I'm going to finish up this, this class the Sunday after Easter. In the Old Testament, you have the first five books, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. That's called the Pentateuch. That's the law. We attribute it to Moses. It's the story of creation, of the Exodus, of the wanderings in the wilderness. It's all of that early history. And it takes us right up to the Jordan River after the, the wanderings of 40 years in the wilderness. That's where we are when the sixth book is Joshua. Now, I don't want you to miss that. Just that detail in itself. As we read the Old Testament, we who are New Testament believers read it through the lens of the cross and resurrection of Christ. So think about what it means that we were given the law, but the very next book is named Joshua. And we know that Joshua is another word for Jesus, is another word for Jesus saves. That is the book that comes right after the law. Do you see the significance of that? The law doesn't get us into the promised land. Joshua took the people into the promised land. Don't miss that nugget. So we're in the book of Joshua now. And the Joshua is, Moses has died. Joshua's the next leader. You have all of these people gathered on the banks of the Jordan River, ready to go into the land that was promised to them. I'm going to get east-west all mixed up. You'll just have to understand that as I turn around. But... Um, so we're poised on the edge of the Jordan. Joshua sends two of his men in to scope out the land. 
Joshua thinks he's being a good leader. He is. He thinks that's the purpose. Go in, gentlemen. Check out the land. I especially want to know about Jericho. So he sends the spies in. This is the story we're going to focus on today with Rahab. Now, uh, um, I've given you chapter 1, although if you want to read Joshua this week, go back. It's the greatest story. If you have issues with fear and anxiety, which I do, which is why I know risk-taking to me is a very scary thing, but it is flat where God has me in terms of dealing with my fear and anxiety. Read Joshua, where he's told, be strong and courageous, three times in about four verses, which means naturally he probably wasn't strong and courageous to have to be told over and over and over. All right, we get to chapter 2. Joshua, son of Nun, secretly sent two spies from Shittim. Go, look over the land, he said, especially Jericho. So they went and entered the house of a prostitute named Rahab and stayed there. The king of Jericho was told, look, some of the Israelites have come here tonight to spy out the land. So the king of Jericho sent this message to Rahab. Bring out the men who came to you and entered your house, because they have come to spy out the whole land. But the woman had taken the two men and hidden them. She said, yes, the men came to me, but I did not know where they'd come from. And at dusk, when it was time to close the city gate, the men left. I don't know which way they went. Go after them quickly. You may catch up with them. But she had taken them up to the roof and hidden them under the stalks of flax she had laid on the roof to dry. So the men set out in pursuit of the spies on the road that leads to the fords of the Jordan. And as soon as the pursuers had gone out, the gate was shut. Before the spies lay down for the night, she went up on the roof and said to them, I know the Lord has given this land to you. And that a great fear of you has fallen on us, so that all who live in this country are melting in fear because of you. We have heard how the Lord dried up the water of the Red Sea for you when you came out of Egypt, and what you did to Sihon and Og, the two kings of the Amorites east of the Jordan, whom you completely destroyed. When we heard of it, our hearts melted, and everyone's courage has failed because of you. For the Lord your God is God in heaven above and on earth below. Now then, please swear to me by the Lord that you will show kindness to my family because I have shown kindness to you. Give me a sure sign that you will spare the lives of my father and mother, my brother and sisters and all who belong to them and that you will save us from death. Our lives for your lives, the men assured her. If you don't tell what we are doing, we will treat you kindly and faithfully when the Lord gives us the land. So she let them down by a rope through the window, for the house she lived in was part of the city wall. Now she had said to them, Go to the hills that the pursuers will not find you. Hide yourself there three days until they return, and then go on your way. The men said to her, This oath you made us swear will not be binding on us unless when we enter the land you have tied this scarlet cord in the window through which you have let us down. And unless you have brought your father and mother and your brothers and all your family into your house, If anyone goes outside your house into the street, his blood will be on his own head. We will not be responsible. As for anyone who is in the house with you, his blood will be on our head if a hand is laid on him. But if you tell what we are doing, we will be released from the oath you made us swear. Agreed, she replied. Let it be as you say. So she sent them away and they departed and she's tied a scarlet cord in her window. When they left, they went into the hills and stayed three days. 
until the pursuers had searched all along the road and returned without finding them. Then the two men started back. They went down out of the hills, forded the river, and came to Joshua, son of Nun, and told him everything that had happened to them. They said to Joshua, The Lord has surely given the whole land into our hands. All the people are melting in fear of us. The word of the Lord. What happens after that, just so I don't read to you the entire class, is basically Joshua realizes he can take this. He and this entire army of people cross the Jordan River. The same thing happens that it happened when the Red Sea crossed. The Jordan divides. They cross on dry land into this promised land. There's some wonderful moments of setting up standing stones as a memorial to that miracle. All the men are circumcised because they had not been circumcised in 40 years. So none of the men had been in that wilderness. And they celebrate the Passover, which is the first time in 39 years they had celebrated the Passover. And again, I'm going to talk to you about why that's important, but just keep that in your head. These people had just celebrated the Passover, what that means. So we get to Rahab. Now, the word is innkeeper. The scholars generally think it's prostitute very logical that somebody going to spy out a city would go to her, her house. It would not attract attention, right? So they can go in. They knock on the door. There are four things about risk-taking that I, that I base this sort of message around. The first one is welcome. And again, this is on the handout you don't have. Welcome <laughs> that Gil has that he said. Okay. The second part is switch. The third part is wait. Fourth part is go. Welcome, switch, wait, go. We're going to talk about that, what that means for us as we respond to taking risk in small ways and in large ways in our life today. How we can step out in faith in the face of scary risk taking. And I know some of you in here pretty well, and I know you know what I'm talking about in terms of taking risk. First of all, Sometimes it comes to you as the unfamiliar, that call from the Lord. For Rahab, these were strangers knocking on her door. The thing that comes into your life may be something new and different, something unexpected. That's one general thing about this call. It's not part of your plan necessarily. That's principle number one. It's hope, but it wasn't in your overall plan. Now, you've got some choices when these come to your door. Rahab could have maybe not opened the door. Although we know from the New Testament, God is perfectly able to walk through closed doors, doesn't he? And we also know that sometimes things come into our life whether we choose them or not. Many times. The unfamiliar is just there. So that's part of it. It comes to us. It's not our plan. It's unexpected. We are looking for salvation in all kinds of ways. We look for hope in all kinds of ways. But I doubt Rahab was looking for a way out of her situation through these two men that came to her door. She was probably looking for the same old, same old stuff. I would have loved to have heard that conversation. If you can imagine, as soon as she lets them in, it's clear these are different. Now, she also, her house was on the city wall which meant literally Jericho was the fortified city. It was the Titanic of cities in those days, would not be destroyed. And her house is right there, which makes it convenient for her her guest, but it also means she probably would have heard a lot of the gossip coming in and out of the city. She would be a woman in the know. She would have listened. She would have heard all the stories of what this 
other god of the Israelites had done. She clearly knew it. We have heard what happened in the Red Sea. The people in the city's hearts are melting in fear. So it's unfamiliar. It's not her plan. It's unexpected. This would have been very much out of her comfort zone. That's the other thing about risk-taking. She probably kind of had the men of the city figured out. But this was different. These men were different. Maybe it reminds us of the story of Mary Magdalene in the New Testament. But there's something different about these men that had come in and what they were there for. Something that inspired her to trust in their God. Now that also bears thinking about her situation of Jericho. One of the criticisms I have of me for years in our life is that we tend to fall into the illusion that we are sort of in a secure place. It doesn't take very long before we realize we're not, right? Those things we trust in are not going to hold up, whether it's whatever it is, our abilities, our family, our finances, our health. It's a house of cards, and the longer you live, the more you know that. Now, Rahab had that reality in her face. She was living in the strongest city in the world, in their mind, but they were closed up in fear. And they knew, she knew it was just a matter of time. Things were going to fall apart. Now, the good news is she knew that. The bad news is is when we don't know that. When we live in Jericho and we think we live in the strongest city in the world and we're not looking for another way out, we don't know we need rescuing. But we do. We do. There is nothing in our life right now that is safe. Mike Hill was great on this at Lenten speaking, and I didn't make it to the talks this time, but I've listened to his online, and I remember especially the one where he quotes the German Goethe, is that, Jenny, you probably know, who says, um, there are many dangerous places in the world, and one of them is safety. You know? Rahab knew she was not in a safe place. If we think we are in a safe place, we are in an illusion. There's nothing in our life that we can absolutely flat count on. And I sometimes laugh when I think of, of this, especially that story of Peter getting out of the boat. If you ever go to Israel and you look at the boat that they were in on the Sea of Galilee, they were scared to get out of in the storm. You think they thought that was safe? It looks like a leaf kind of like this. And you think they were scared to get out of that in the storm? That's almost how silly it is. Risk, taking the risk. And an acronym you can think about is releasing or rejecting the illusion of security. Kneeling. I'm not talking about launching off. But I am saying, look at what it is your security is in. And um, ask yourself, is this really safe? Am I really safe here? And if God called you to a place beyond that, would you be willing to leave that behind? And if not, why not? Think about that. Why would you not leave? Generally, I will suggest it's because we don't think God is in that place where we're going or that it's going to hurt more than we want it to hurt or it's going to hurt those we love. Such a lack of trust in that whole picture. So recognize who your king is in terms of is it the king of Jericho? Where have you put your security? Ask yourself, is it safe? Truly, where is your safety? Are you willing to leave it behind? When you know the reality 
of what is behind you. Then you're more equipped to make choices. So if you were listening, the first thing I said about risk-taking was welcoming the unfamiliar. That in itself can be kind of scary. Whether it's a thought you hadn't considered. And to, to put this in some examples, maybe you are... Um, you know you've got to have a conversation with somebody you really care about and you just just the thought of having that conversation scares you witless. Maybe it's a, a, a reality of a change in terms of a job change or a move or a relationship change. Maybe it's something small in terms of commitments you make in your daily schedule, saying yes to some things, no to others. Things that are taking you out on that limb in whatever kind of way that take you out of your own comfort and your own security. Those are the sorts of things I'm talking about. So welcoming in the unfamiliar, the uncomfortable in terms of thinking about it, really considering it. Lord, could this be you? Consider, am I willing to switch allegiance? That is the second welcome switch. Right now my allegiance is to the king of Jericho, Lord. This is all I've ever known. I'm in a safe city. Yeah, my life is not great, but I'm surviving. I have family here. I like it. But I can see that it's, it's not going to hold up. There's a switch involved. It is a huge risk to switch your allegiance. But that is what we know is involved when we become Christians. That is what we know. You die to self. You have a new king. It's no longer about what I want it's about knowing what the Lord has done for me and the call that he has on our life. It's about realizing the reality of you are no longer belong to yourself. You've been bought with a price. It's the reality of understanding that that is all grounded in a love we cannot take in. We cannot even take it in. It's the love of a, of a father, of a husband, of a brother, of any of that all wrapped up into one. It's the love of the God who made you and knows your every fear, insecurity, ability, talent. And he has a hope and a plan for you. To, I mean, a plan for you to give you a hope and a future. And it's a good king. And that's what Rahab realized. She listened to the stories. She was astute. And she realized the king she had been trusting wasn't going to be able to save her. In fact, he was fearful, even though he had all these resources. And she switched her allegiance to the King of Kings and Lord of Lords, the God of Israel. Now that's scary. What happens? The King of Jericho did find out. Went to her. Said, the men you hosted, they're spies. Bring them to me. And she lied. She was going out on a limb. That's what we do. Catelyn told me the other night, I think I'm going to go out on a limb here. And I thought, if you go out on another limb. <laughs> We've been doing that. Um, so I want to say that's the switch and it doesn't mean you're going to Africa okay it doesn't but it does mean that as you walk out in things that are uncomfortable or new or unfamiliar it means that you are going to learn God's provision in a way you've never known it before you are going to be able to experience what he has for you in that He's not interested in wrecking your life or your marriage or your relationships. He's a win-win God, but he is about something greater than you can see. So you trust him. And you say, okay, I'm going to switch my allegiance. And yes, we do this when we become Christians, but I also just suggest that we do this on a daily basis. I'll have to say, okay, 
Lord, surely you're not suggesting this, and could you just think of another plan? Because I really don't want to do that. And, you know, there I am. I've got to consciously sort of say, but not what I want, Lord. What I really want is to want what you want. Did I lose you in that? That's what we want. Give us the desires. Give us the very desires. So it's a welcome. It's a switch. One thing I need to tell you about the switch is that it's going to be contrary to what the world around you tells you. Look at us. We look so much alike on the outside. The world will tell you, you have lost your mind to consider doing such and such. Or your good friends say, why would you do this? But if you sense this is really where God is calling you, you, got, you can't not go, ladies. There. So it, you may get advice that says, why in the world would you do that? You've lost your mind. Because it's not familiar. It's not secure. It's not comfortable. So you may well run into opposition. That's nothing new if you look in church history. Ask the early church. All right? I want to also tell you there are no guarantees of the outcome. And we have to fight this in our culture a lot with um, people who will say, well, if you're doing what the Lord is really calling you to do, then you will be successful. Okay, lady, there's no promise of that anywhere. None. Do not count on a specific outcome. Be willing for it to look like anything. What you can count on is that where God calls you to go, He will go with you. You will never be alone. What you can count on is that His plan is good and perfect, and that's what you want. You can also count on the fact it's going to look different from your own plan. Very likely. So let go of those expectations because what happens when you believe that, if you step out in faith thinking, well, God called me to have this conversation, make this decision, therefore I know that this result will be, look this way. And when that doesn't happen, then you begin to think, I missed it. I made the wrong decision. What happened? Do you see what you're doing and I'm doing? We're putting our own report card on our decisions. God is about something far greater. What may look like failure, take a look at the cross on Good Friday. Okay? God's plan does not look successful many times from the world's point of view. So when you switch, don't bank on a certain outcome. You step out on a professional adventure because you really think God is leading you in that direction or a career, that doesn't necessarily mean you're going to be, you know, on the cover of Forbes. It just means you are walking in faithfulness and God is going to do what he is going to do. So switching is switching allegiance. It's contrary to others' opinions. There's no guarantee of the outcome. I will also tell you it very well means dangerous, discouraging, or difficult. Okay? Just calling it like it is when you take risk and you go out there. That is why it is scary. But that is what we are called to do. I, you know, and I'm going to get to the good news in all of this. Really am. You do not want to miss it. You do not have. Y'all read the C.S. Lewis, the Narnia Chronicles, and I didn't look it up, but the very last one, there's the picture of the, um, the dwarfs who were, the walls have been. Um, knocked down and they live in freedom but they're huddled up and their eyes are closed and they refuse to acknowledge. Does anybody know that scene? You do. Am I getting it kind of? 
The dwarves in the stable. They're convinced it's a dirty, horrible stable, but their eyes are closed and they're huddled up and they refuse to open their eyes and see. Okay, what that had to do with my point, I don't remember. But the, um, the point is that you, you don't want to miss where God is calling you. You just don't. And we have got to be willing to step out and be women of courage. And that is why Joshua is such a profound book for us. It does not mean you're taking off and going and leaving your husband and your family or your whatever, whatever. It just means you're stepping out into where God is calling you. And it will be small ways. And when you do it in small ways, you begin to recognize his voice and you see his provision. And that gives you the courage to do it in bigger ways. All right. You are giving up your own control. There is a great song somebody gave me by, do you all know a singer named Jenny Owen? Anybody heard of her? She is blind. I was told she's blind. And she has a great CD, and it's called um, Get In, I'm Driving. And the first song, (laughs) coming from her, especially great, but it's it's edgy. It's, um, I don't know how you describe it. It's not your normal kind of music you'd hear at the Advent. But uh, the first song says, if you want the ride of your life, God says, get in, I'm driving. That's what I'm talking about. That's what I'm talking about. It is exciting. It is uncertain. But it's where you will learn. If you do not feel like you really know what it is to walk with the Lord, then that may be one way he's going to show you. And it will reap benefits in the areas that matter. If you're married, this is not going to cause harm in that sense. God does not seek to destroy anything like that. I think that's what we fear. It is somehow going to be part of his greater plan. All right. The, um, the piece about risk, R-I-S-K, is rejecting the illusion of security on your knees. Okay? That's where we are. And that's what I want to encourage you this week to be thinking about. Lord, where are you calling me to take a risk? Where are you calling me to step out and do something that maybe doesn't make sense from the world's point of view? That's one clue. It's his plan. What is it, Lord? Now, I'm not telling you to act on it right away. Ask people, but be careful who you ask. Ask somebody who's going to truly try and steer you in listening to what God has. Mike Hill told another story about a woman who was felt called to go to, if you all hear this, correct me, Thailand maybe? As a missionary, her parents were all upset, sent her to speak to the minister so he would talk her out of it. And after listening to her, he said, I I don't think you have any choice. You have to go. So go to people who will truly listen to you and help you discern, is this the call of God or not? If this isn't in your life right now, it's coming. And if it's not in your life right now, it is in your friend's life. And maybe you are the person for her to say, talk to me about your decision. Why do you think this might be God's call? Tell me how you got to this point. Because the other thing about the switch is, and we're going to talk about this more in two weeks, is Rahab had to continue to live in Jericho while she waited. If you listen to the story, the guys had to go out, wait three days, then get back over to Joshua, tell Joshua. Joshua has to cross the river. Joshua does the Passover. Joshua does the circumcision thing. Joshua lets them heal. Joshua goes back to the city. And they walk around the city seven times blowing the trumpets. If y'all don't know that, read it. 
So Rahab is a lot of waiting to do in Jericho. We're going to talk about what that's like. And then what happens when Rahab goes out? I'll give you a sneak preview. Rahab is rescued. Rahab is rescued. Jericho is destroyed. Who is saved? Rahab and her family. Who, by the way, probably didn't do anything to deserve it, which is another thing of God's mercy, isn't it? We could be Rahab's family for all that matters. Do you know who Rahab goes on to be? Sneak preview here. Rahab goes and lives with the Israelites. Now, this is the woman who was the prostitute in Jericho who probably didn't think she had all that great of a future and is trying to just survive. She marries. She gives birth to Boaz. She is the great-grandmother of King David. She is one of four women listed in the genealogy in Matthew. How cool is that? That she takes the risk to step out and look what God does for her and through her. Now, I doubt she ever knew about King David because generations in there and certainly didn't know that that also means she was the direct ancestor of Jesus. How cool is that? What does that say to us? No matter what our circumstances are, no matter how much we feel we're in a Jericho or we feel like our past is X, Y, and Z, that means we're not worthy, and all of us have that and have those feelings, he goes in to Rahab. I'm really jumping ahead here, but I want you to hear it. Joshua may have thought he was sending the spies into Jericho to figure out how to capture Jericho. Maybe the Lord was sending them in to establish that relationship with Rahab in order to bring Rahab and her family out. She had to take the risk. She had to welcome in the unfamiliar. She had to make the decision to switch allegiance to a different king. She could have not done that. It took a risk. She risked her life. And then she had to wait. But I don't want you to miss the detail, too, and we'll talk about this again in two weeks, of the scarlet cord in her window. Details in Bible stories can be huge. They had just celebrated the Passover, where the blood of the lamb on the door Death passed over those who had the red blood on the door. Do you see that death passed over all who were in Rahab's house behind that scarlet cord? We read the Old Testament through the lens of the cross and the resurrection. And I want to tie this immediately in to the New Testament. Um, Okay, you choose to switch your allegiance. You decide to reject some voices. You recognize the reality of your situation. You ask for the courage to change. If I had to subtitle this class, that's what it would be. Praying for the courage to change, but knowing you're not going alone. See if this verse from John 1.12, if you make any connections to Rahab's story, listen to this. I'm going to read 11 and 12, but it's mainly 12. The true light which enlightens everyone, was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. But he came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. Okay, now listen. But to all who received him, who believed on his name, he gave power to become children of God, born not of blood, nor of the will of flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. That's Rahab. Do you hear that? Received, believed, 
He gave power to become. Her life was transformed. There was a hope and a future there for her beyond what she could have ever come up with in her wildest dreams. And that's the message for us. That is the key message in Joshua, these first parts of Jesus' rescue for us. We receive him. It might be scary. It's a little unfamiliar, a lot unfamiliar. Unlikely Savior, unlikely call, whatever it is. Believe on his name. That's the switching the allegiance that we do both once and daily. Recognize who it is you're serving. That usually is what's underneath our fear. If you can get down to why am I so afraid to step out. Okay, It has to do with who you are trusting. So switching your allegiance to the God who has provided and will continue to provide and will absolutely never, ever leave you, who adopts all of us as his daughters. We are in his family. Just as Rahab, we become part of something so eternal, so significant. I mean, it's it's why the daughters of the king call themselves daughters of the king, which probably a lot of y'all are in that group in here. That's who we become. So yes, it's taking a risk. You welcome it in. Switch your allegiance. Ask yourself if that's something you need to think about. Realize the reality of sometimes we wait in Jericho. But we have a purpose there. She has to gather up her family and bring them into her. We're going to talk about that in two weeks. They are saved through her being there in Jericho. And then the going out. How uncertain is that? How exciting is that? And what a great future and a promise that is and how God works through her. So I'm going to close in prayer. Every single one of us have a call on our life in some way or another. And every day you wake up in the morning and you think, okay, Lord, three little sentences. This is your morning prayer. I am your child, and this is your day. Please show me your way. You welcome in the unfamiliar. You switch. You wait when necessary, and you go. And it is the ride of your life. Don't miss it. Let's close in prayer. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for the details of your word, the way it is written, the way it is put together. Please take these words and bring them alive with your Holy Spirit so they would transform us. I pray that you would let us hear your call, let us recognize your voice, and let us step out in obedience to you. We thank you for your love, your forgiveness, and your embracing of us in every way. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.